Welcome to Triple M's Dead Set Legends podcast, delivered by Aussie Broadband. Switch to Aussie Broadband and enjoy ultra-fast speeds with $0 fibre upgrade. FTTC and FTTN addresses only. T's and C's apply. For your Saturday morning, we've got the biggest sports show in town. And it's go, go, go! Triple M's Dead Set Legends. I'm legendary. Joey Montagna, Jay Clark, Kath Lochnan and Lima. What a legend. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Happy Easter, everyone. Welcome along. How are you, team? I am very well. I, lo- I love Easter weekend. I love Same. footy on Good Friday. Isn't it great? It's what Jesus would have wanted. (laughs) And and we're playing it, which I love. Nothing better than having my seafood Good Friday with uh, Nor Nor and everyone there down at Rosebud. We had the seafood marinara, then we had the prawns, and then we all sit down and watch footy. Right, and Nor happy with footy on Good Friday? She's all right. Come a long way. Do you guys have a sweet tooth? Are you big chocolate? Eaters? Yes, but Easter makes no difference to me. I'm a tr- yeah. 365 days of the year. <laughs> Are you really? I'm an addict. Yeah, I can't get enough. What's your go-to Easter egg? <sighs> the go-to Easter egg? Uh, look, Easter eggs bore me a bit, to be honest with you. What? I'm now well, I on... I'm them 365 days <laughs> of the year. I'm, <laughs> such a, I'm such an old person, right? Uh, I was on the rum and raisin uh, old gold, right? <laughs> That's and now, quite good. Yeah, oh, it's quite good. Yeah. But now I'm on this raspberry... Uh, it's a Cadbury. It's got bits of raspberry inside it. Okay. Oh my god! It's the, so... um, you know what's very good? Black Forest. That's a bit similar. I don't mind a Black Forest yeah. either. Yeah, you, happy you, with, you that? with it. You have a weird chocolate, don't you? I remember last year. A weird no, chocolate. What, like, what's your favourite chocolate? No, I love the little eggs. Oh, because you don't feel too guilty. You just oh, have yeah, one sure. little egg. But then when you've had about 20, you're like, well, but, but <laughs> that's on, the, equivalent to probably a box. The, but I eggs, love the I, eggs come in a bag with 49 mates. So. <laughs> yeah. I actually think the little caramel Easter eggs oh, are yeah, the yeah. bomb. I like to think I'm selfless at Easter time because I'm not a massive chocolate man. I, I do eat a little bit, but I then have to just start eating the eggs to stop the kids from eating them. So, you know, it's oh. like you can <laughs> have some and then you feel like you have to just take them away and you end up eating them so yeah. the kids don't get six holes whole... in their teeth and go loopy for five days. Uh, that's where get... the whole dad bod thing comes and from. That's right. <laughs> you, do, you eat their food. That's yeah. what you, eat your, you eat your own food and you eat I their heard. food. That's the same with chocolates and sweets and everything. Yeah. And Easter Bunny, of course, will be coming uh, tonight. Yes. Uh, overnight. Is the Easter Bunny generous at your house, uh, Joey? Are there the good hiding spots in the backyard for the eggs? I wouldn't know. You know you have to ask, you'd have to ask Erin that. She, um, she Erin knows you. what the Easter Bunny brings. So okay. I'm not really across it. <laughs> what about at your house? Oh, well, we've only got one. So, yeah, he, so he gets very spoiled by the... I don't know if the Easter Bunny thinks maybe five or six kids live in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of eggs in the backyard come Sunday morning. It is the best time of year. It's it's. I think it's better than Christmas because there isn't so much stress and fuss yeah, around true. Easter. You know, everyone just mm. takes it easy, just buy some eggs and we're sweet. Yeah. Mm. Whereas Christmas is so much fuss, like, oh, have you got the, you know, horns and, you know, there's just always drama. Well, we spent Christmas. yesterday on the couch and felt no guilt whatsoever. That's right. Yeah. full day on yeah. the couch. Nice. It felt it's good. Relaxing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a great weekend to go camping either, Kath. So, no. Uh, That's a bit nippy, mm. isn't it? It is indeed. Mm. It was such a successful super clash at Marvel Stadium uh, yesterday. 49,000 attended. Charlie Kernow and Harry Mackay booted 10 goals between them as Carlton secured a 23-point victory over North Melbourne. Harry Mackay all on his own. He can go over the top to the coating and he's oh. dropped the footy. Harry Mackay has just had an absolute <laughs> man and then picked it up and kicked one of the best goals he's ever kicked. Hits it sweetly. Jay Motlock. Oh. Jay Motlock. Yes. Goal of the night from Jesse. Carlton coming with a surge again. Corey Durden's got it. Mackay on his own. 
He makes no mistake, picks his fourth goal with Jack Silvani's out the back, does it sit? Jack, snap, snap, snap! Ed Pierno gives it to Charlie. Charlie has six for the Navy Blues, who are home! Carlton remain undefeated in season 2023. Blues fans want to hear Carlton undefeated. Joey, it was always going to be a tough task for North Melbourne's undersized defence yesterday and Keno Mackay, they did the damage. Yeah, they did what we thought they would do. The two big boys, they kicked 10 between them. That was always on the cards with no yep. Ben Mackay, no Griffin Logue. The Kangaroos' best chance of winning was that to dominate in the midfield. And for two quarters, they were doing that. I mean, I couldn't have been more impressed with Davies Uniac and uh, Zerha when he was going through there and obviously mm. Simpkin, et cetera. They were, they were putting up a really good fight. They were dominating Carlton's midfield. Carlton's ball use was really slow and wide, and they weren't giving themselves much of a chance. And then Michael Voss worked his magic at halftime. The Blues came out with much more intensity. In that third quarter, their class prevailed. The big boys got on the end of it, and they showed what they're made of. So... Credit for them. They are winning Carlton without playing anywhere near their best footy, which I think is a good sign because early in the year, you don't want to be playing your very best football. You've got to be working towards that, but you want to be getting the wins while you can. So credit to Carlton, but I love the way North Melbourne are tracking. It was a really strong performance. If, and they didn't have any forwards either. Larky was hurt, was playing on one leg, and young Charlie Combin is still only raw and, and still it was pretty quiet and got a, a fair way to go and no key defender. So if they had a forward line, they might have... Yeah. They might have been further in front, North Melbourne, in that third quarter and really taken it up to the Blues. But I really, I really enjoyed the game in front of nearly 50,000 people. How good is Harry Sheasel, too, oh. just, just by the way? Yeah. Four games in, what is he? I think he might hold the record for possessions Ever. after your first four games. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's had 30 more than Nick Dacos, and everyone was raving about Nick Dacos' yeah, first yeah. season. He's unbelievable. And you've got to remember, Lima, as a kid, he was basically played his career as a forward. So he was coming into the draft like a Stevie Johnson or Toby Green, someone that could yeah. be a match winner in the front half of the ground. And he hasn't even played behind the ball, and he's doing what he's doing. And he's shown me that he can be a midfielder if he wanted to as, he, as his career develops. So – and Great North, signs. North Melbourne are now showing that they can perform on the big occasion and the big stage because this was a bit of a test for North Melbourne. Yeah. Everyone said as long as Elsa Clarkson's in charge, mm. they will deliver, and they did. It was such yeah. a resounding success in terms of the Good Friday show and appeal. Yeah, and I'm loving Clark on the sidelines. The crouch down yeah. on the sidelines. Yeah. It's yeah. like he's really yeah. – like it's almost like – you know, Caro said he needs to get away from there and back up. It's, it's like he's trying to get closer to the ground to yeah. like really make a point. And now. yesterday when they kept crossing him, he didn't quite have that happy – face he had on when he was no, in Perth. No, no, there was a bit more no. of that anger, that sort of angry look that he has. There was a little bit more of that yesterday. What did you make of him subbing off uh, Ben Cunnington? Yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it just showed that they've just got standards and they're not going to be held captive by whether it's talent or leaders or age. They're mm. just going to do whatever's best for the team. And I think that sets a great standard for everyone there. Harry Mackay missed a goal at the end of the game. He was uh, about 30 centimetres out yep. and kicked it out on the full. Yep. Leroy might have had a couple of bucks riding on this one, by the way, <laughs> as he puts his head in his hands. What was your worst miss ever, Joey? Were you ever 10 metres out oh, directly in front and, gosh. and put it through the probably, put through for a point? Probably. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure that has happened. I had a fresh airy one day. I, I missed my foot. So that, that can happen. It was, uh, he bounced back into a, a bit of form. Hey, we have to uh, celebrate Brisbane's win on Thursday night as well because this was a, a result I don't think many people saw coming at all. 33-point victory over Collingwood. Did we forget how good the lines are at the Gabba? Yeah, well, that's right. We, we, we did a little bit because I think they've won 41 of their last 49 now. They are a different team at home. We've all known they've got this talent. Like They should, yep. be, they should be a top four team. So that's not 
not the conversations we've been having. It's been about their inconsistency with their performance. They are too good to be up and down like they have been since sort of halfway through last year and the start of this year. But they showed their best. They um, they basically beat Collingwood at their own game. Collingwood love to throw the haymakers and basically just attack you and see if you can withstand it. Well, Brisbane threw punches back and were able to uh, to knock out Collingwood. So I thought it was a terrific performance by the Brisbane Lions. And a lot of players say that they don't read the newspapers and whatnot, but uh, obviously with Joe Danaher's performance, he, he he was across the news during the week. Uh, Chris Fagan does, doesn't he? He was, he was happy to let everyone know about it, that everyone sort of uh, had to go up Brisbane. But that's, I mean, they played on Thursday night last week. It was a big game against the Bulldogs. That's going to happen. You're going to get critique with your performance. They've got a higher standard of expectation because we think – they should be a top four team. Joey Danaher and Hitwood hadn't been informed, so of course they were a talking point. So I think it was all fair and reasonable, but some clubs, yeah, just take it a little bit more sensitive than others. But best way to silence the critics is to do what they did last night. And obviously the Pies had a fair bit going on away uh, from the footy, off the field involving Jack Crisp and Jay-Z, Jay Clark from the Herald Sun and Triple M's very own. He's going to join us next to fill us in on the latest with Collingwood's Jack Crisp. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Across Melbourne, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. On Melbourne's 105.1, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Jay-Z, time to get our footy news fix. And Jack Crisp, unfortunately, been in the headlines for the wrong reasons this week. Yeah, it was a massive story um, as the news broke on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Kath. And fair to say that Jack Crisp was quiet in the loss to Brisbane on Thursday night, um... Uh, faces a, a big week, clearly. So he'll have the weekend to gather his thoughts and then uh, we'll speak with the AFL Integrity Unit investigators about that, that those videos and those images which have been circulating in the past few days. And the questions will be like, um, was that you in the photos? Um, what else was in those those pictures and those videos? What is the language you are uh, using? Um, and what you know, what if they, you know, what what are in the packets basically? Yeah. Well, if if there's white substance there, what these is, are from what years is ago, that? right? Yes, quite clearly, these are from years ago. Obviously, he was going through a few things at the time. I think this will be part of the conversation. But since then, you know, dealt with that with his family in a, in a private sort of manner, and has come back to become one of the most durable midfielders or players uh, in the game. So we admire him for that. But he has to go back and sort with this issue from a few years ago and I think over the the next couple of days he'll be thinking about his recollections um, of of what happened back then and uh, really getting to the nitty-gritty and the detail because um, you know really he faces the prospect of an illicit drug strike under the AFL model as it currently is which is being reviewed uh, we must say at the moment. So can I ask on what terms because it's a bit different to Jack Ginevan and Bailey Smith who were caught in the act doing it. Is this going to be for referencing drug use and for photos yeah, of and, potential and, drugs and, being seen, is and, that? And whether he's going to ad, admit admit use. to be uh, using them. So, you know, how that works from several years ago, I really feel like is quite clearly yeah. a, mm. a, a grey area. But if he, if, if he is going to admit that, then obviously um, there's a structured sort of um, punishment system, which is a $5,000 fine and two-match suspension. And it's p- probably putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but Collingwood obviously play St Kilda this week and then a massive Essendon uh, Anzac Day blockbuster. So, look, a lot of this stuff is really a grey area. And when it is a historical sort of matter, mm. it is tricky to navigate through from a um, behavioural point of view. You know, I think I think Craig McRae and, and Graham Wright will also talk to him about some things, but it, it isn't easy. It seems, as you said, these two-game suspension is becoming yeah. common, but is that now for just bringing the game in disrepute or is this actually for specifically drug use or talk? Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's sort of different, isn't it? 
Well, I don't know, is it? Well, I mean, sorry, in regards to what Bailey Smith and Jack Ginnivan yep. were caught yeah, doing is, yeah. as opposed to retrospectively talking about yep. and can they, could it, it fall under different. something like that, yeah. I mean. And, and and the AFL, I mean, I still sort of – I feel like they're sort of really working this out as they go yeah. along in the sense that, you know, the direction of the game, how is the AFL going to treat this matter of, of sort of um, drugs and sport? Clearly, it's illegal. It is really difficult. Uh, he will have some really, um, you know, difficult conversations about something that happened a few years ago. From a, a football perspective, an on-field perspective, we saw he was quiet the other night, Joey. What 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 is it like on the inside when sort of the walls close in on a controversial incident like this? How would the players and coaches react on the inside around Jack? No, they would address it as a group. They they would talk about it and use it use it as a learning tool for the rest of their their playing groups, and then they would also still support their their friend, their teammate, yep. and make sure that he, uh, you know, is in need, whatever he needs, yep. whether it's some, you know, some sort of rehabilitation or support or whatever it is to make sure that he's in a, in a good headspace. But then they would use it as a learning tool for the group. That's the pub- exactly what I was going to ask, though, because yep. it's a it's another incident for Collingwood in a short amount of time with the Jack Inovan and now this one, and it's they're flying on field, okay, mm. maybe not the other night, but apart from that, they've been almost flawless. Yeah. How, how does it, does it start to add up a little bit, Joe, when you've got these <laughs> distractions? It, it, not, it's a, it's, I don't think distractions, and we've spoken about this before, I don't think distractions necessarily in, impact your performance as a team. This is a difficult one because, again, it's retrospective. So what do you do? Do you say, mm. hey, that's not on? From something you did, yeah, two, three, yeah, four years true, ago, but it's like still it's, just the media circus a bit. Yeah, as the... I said, I think I think distractions don't really affect playing groups. It doesn't affect how you train, how you play, um, yep. what you're sitting learning in your team meeting. Now, for the individual, it's going to be a really tough time. So Jack Crisp, like on Thursday night, his performance wasn't up to standard. He might struggle maybe with his mental state for his performance. But in regards to the team, I don't think distractions like this should impact and don't really impact your performance. Yeah. Tough on a family front. That's and that's right, of yeah. course. There's the embarrassment and shame that he has to, to yeah. live with and deal through, work do you, through. Do you know what I think is the really um, tricky question? And I'm, and I'm still trying to answer this in my own head myself. So I hope maybe you've got a better answer than I have. Does Collingwood have a problem in this space? Because we have seen over a decade now, like there's been some Collingwood issues more often than not. And, you know, the club has denied that there there isn't an issue. There is an issue, but... You know, they, is it is it Collingwood or is it just because Collingwood is such a big club that whenever it involves a Collingwood player, it blows up and it's, you know, clickbait. But it blew um, up about Bailey Smith. It was big about... Um, that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'm also saying um, I just think there, there is a, a bit of a Collingwood tax to things, don't you yeah, think? Unless. Because yeah, you, that, you, that you, you know that anything related to Jordan Degoe is going to get you clicks. Anything related yeah. to a Collingwood yeah. story he is going to get you more clicks. He tripped over the other day to see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. Someone might have filmed him tripping over. Yes. And, yeah. But, you know, a couple of a yeah. couple of incidents at a club that's a little bit off-Broadway is, yep. is not as... It's a fair, it's a fair yeah. point. And you, you know what? You're back in Craig McRae and Ned Kelly and Graham Wright to um, deal with it because everything else you hear about the Collingwood culture and this environment at the moment, who wouldn't want to go play there and play for them? Massive so, pros to being a big club. And then there's a few cons and one is that uh, whenever someone stuffs up, there, it's a eyeballs. bigger story than, than other clubs. Mason Cox, just quickly. So he had uh, that knock to the ribs, a hematoma, a bit of internal bleeding. The club not expecting him to rush back this week to be available for the St Kilda uh, game. It would take a miracle recovery. 
He's got some scans and some assessments. So it looks like, Joe, that Collingwood will go with that makeshift, makeshift rocky shoe um, again, which is Dan McStay, Ash Johnson, Billy Frampton for a little bit. But it wasn't really the problem for him on Thursday night, was it? No, it wasn't an issue really. I mean, it had a small bearing on the game, but not not a huge impact at all. So yeah. um, they'll just have to continue to go with the two they did. And to be honest, they were pretty good in the in that situation, well, the they stoppage won game. Center, they won centre clearance. One centre clearance. They should have won by more, except for some 6-6-6 infringements. They outscored yep. Brisbane from stoppage. The, the, the ruck situation wasn't a huge factor in that game. More the turnover game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What about um, the dissent and the debate around that? Should we get to that a little bit later, Kath? Okay, yeah. Yes. Let's chat yes. about that in the second hour. We'll get more Clubs news from you. Yep. Clubs are filthy, you said. Yeah. All right. We'll chat about that in the second hour. Thank you, Jay-Z. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Time to bring in our next special guest. Number nine, Sean Burgoyne. It comes to Burgoyne. Burgoyne runs to 45. Oh. He's a Rolls Royce, Sean Burgoyne. To the square now, loads up right underneath. It'll be right to the line. It's home. He can do everything, this man. He's a superman, Sean Burgoyne. Super well, Burgoyne. He's got off Hanbury. He's a clever player, Sean Burgoyne. Oh, he did, oh, it. He did it. He did do it. The man they call Silk. No one else would have dreamed of doing what he just did. And it was just pure genius. He did entertain us for decades on the footy field. And now he's entertaining us on Triple M because he's part of the Triple M footy mm. team. Sean Burgoyne, good morning. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thanks for your time. How are you doing the Crows-Dockers match at Adelaide Oval this afternoon? Am I right? Yes, you are, and the weather's not looking too good here at the moment as well. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting to note. Uh, not too flash here in Melbourne either. How are you seeing this uh, game unfold tonight, today? Yeah, it's going, to, uh, it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, the Crows coming off a really good um, victory against Port Adelaide last week, and um, Frio, yeah, it's still getting their season on track, so I'm, I'm looking forward to a really fierce contest. What's it like after a showdown, uh, Sean, now that you're over in SA? We spoke about earlier. Is it is it horrible for the losing team? Like, is it all sort of talk back and all the TV shows talking about Port Adelaide's loss? Yeah, well, it is. Well, it really divides the state. You know, people go to work and, you know, if you're the winner, you wear your scarf or your, your shirt to work. <laughs> and if, no, you no. Don't, if you don't, you know, you hang your head in shame for the week and you just cop it. Um, and I remember as a player... When I would win, I'd, you know, move about freely and be happy and, you know, go about my life. You know, but when I'd lose those showdowns early um, in my early days, you know, you didn't want to leave the house. You go to training, you maybe stop at the petrol station and that's about it. So it's a, it's, it really depends on if you win or lose. But enough of that, Chatter. You are a Hawthorne football club <laughs> superstar, Sean Burgoyne. There's no doubt about that. Hawthorne playing the Catters. On Monday, a great rivalry. You were there at the heart of it for a long time. Uh, the 2013 prelim is when it came to an end. Our first win in 11 games. This is how Dennis Cometti called it. Get the hearse for the curse. Get the hearse for the curse. <laughs> it was a beautiful line from him. Uh, what are your it's memories of that one? That was one of the best games I've ever seen live. Yeah, well, like you said, the, the build-up was unbelievable. Um, 11 straight losses in a prelim. Um, you know, Geelong really had the wood on us and you, you couldn't get a better game to, to prepare for, you know, a victory and then get into the grand final if that's the way it was going to be. And I, I remember the, the build-up, all that, you know, all that talk around, you know, will we lose 12 in a row? And then the game itself was phenomenal. That that last bit, get the hearse for the curse. And, and when the siren went and Cyril kicked the ball over the top of Buddy, I don't think anyone in the stadium actually heard the, the no, siren. And, no, no. Um, I think it was the umpires who blew the whistle and stuck their hands in the air. They would signal um, 
you know, game over, which was, you know, the, the feeling then was unbelievable as well. So 2013, St Kilda, we were starting to get stinky by that stage. Yeah. So I went to the final as a, as a punter, and right. I went to the prelim as a supporter, just, just as a fan, drinking yeah. beer, and I was sitting right behind Shawnee Burgoyne's kick when he got that oh. goal from the pocket. You're right, yeah. that was a massive atmosphere. It's pretty special, the rivalry, Geelong-Hawthorne. I mean, they're going at it Easter Monday. It's 17th versus 18th, which was very, very... <laughs> we've never said that about the Cats and the Hawks for a long time, but it is a pretty intense rivalry. Yeah, it is. And there was a long period of time there where they, those games were decided by under a kick as well. Yeah. Or, you know, mm. you get at the four, either team would get out the four or five goal lead and then the other team would come back and it would go right to the wire. And um, it's pretty easy to see why, you know, 75, 80,000 people would come to watch those games. The rivalry goes back to, you know, the 89 grand final and it just, um, just, re- just, just gets better every year. And, yeah, I'm not too sure about 17th and 18th on the ladder. No one would have predicted that playing <laughs> each other. But it just... I reckon it just build, builds up for a, a, a you know a cracker of a game because there's so much on the line for both teams. Well, especially Geelong, you know, being the the reigning premiers. Mm. You did mention the '89 Grand Final. It goes back to there. I actually asked Graham Arthur once, our first ever premiership captain, when the rivalry goes back to. He said 1963 when oh, Geelong okay. beat Hawthorne in the Grand Final, and Bob Davis then uh, from Geelong buried. A hawk that he bought from a, a, a shop somewhere, a not, not a live hawk, oh. but he bought one from a shop and buried it at Cardinia Park. Oh. And so grandmother says that's when it started and that made Hawthorne furious. Anyway, hey, it's a Sean, long rivalry. <laughs> Sean, yes, made our point there. Hey, Sean, you, you mentioned the cats and no one would have predicted them being zero and three at the moment. Just how hard is it? You've been there and done it of winning a premiership and then gearing up again and trying to win another and, and can you see it in, in the cats at the moment of just that that lack of not lack of hunger, I don't want to disrespect them, but the the same hunger is not quite there because they're coming off a such an amazing winning streak last season and then finish, top, topping it off with the flag. Well I guess there's a few things to be honest. It's always it's a lot harder the first you know, first five rounds because you, you play longer and you know, when you play the grand final, other teams who didn't make the finals are starting their pre season. Yeah. Um, so you're already behind four weeks or five weeks roughly in um, in fitness and then you hit the round one, you're playing catch up for a bit. Um, which is what I found and obviously when we we're winning flags at the Hawks is, you know, we'll we'll still manage to nut out a couple of wins while we were getting getting our fitness back. Um I always found the hunger was, was still there. Um, I think the hunger's there for the players because you, you want to replicate the, the success um, and the feeling you had. And as players, you didn't play in the grand final that you want to try, you know, bring along for the, this upcoming journey. But it's more or less you're trying to play catch-up and fitness. You can see there's a still a few players probably underdone. You know, Tom Hawkins has been, you know, well-documented that he had um, surgery in the off-season and he's still getting his fitness. So I reckon, you know, they, they, they'll be hitting their straps a bit later down the track, um, but they've still got to nut out wins while you're getting your fitness and, and playing catch up a bit. Is there a few but more I, cheeseburgers? I haven't written them oh, off. Sorry. I haven't written them off. <laughs> you haven't yet? No, not yet. Um, we'll see what happens on Easter Monday, and then if zero and four, then it comes a bit different. Okay, so yeah. I was going to ask, is there a few more cheeseburgers that do get eaten, though, after you've won a premiership? Like, is that <laughs> real? Like, it does happen? <laughs> well, it does. You do celebrate um, a bit longer, <laughs> um, and you do enjoy um, the, you know, the, you know, the, 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 everything the grand final brings for you know the best part of a, a week or two, um, then you go in your off season, and then it just really structures up um, the off season programs. You know the the eight plus year players get probably an extra two three weeks off than the first year players, and Geelong do have an older list, so a lot of their players would have extra time off. So yeah. it just makes sense that they're they're still getting their fitness back. Uh, well, Sean Berg, on you are one of the greats of all time at the Hawthorne yep. Football Club. Your kids, presumably, they'll all be 
Hawthorne when they uh, get a taste for the game as they get a bit older? Um, no, no, they will be playing for Port, surely. Well, they grew up Hawthorne fans. Um, they go to school here and everyone's wearing either Port or Crows gansey. So there are a few friends trying to um, mm. you know, steal them over to the Port side. Um, but we'll see how, you know, <laughs> we'll see how strong um, they remain. But no, they, they've still got, they still do wear their Hawthorne gansey around the house. Good, good. That's what we <laughs> hey, like. Thanks for your time. Enjoy uh, the Crows Dockers match and, and we look forward to hearing you on Triple M. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. That was a little bit of a fanboy moment yeah. for you, oh, yeah. wasn't okay. it, Limo? He's a superstar. I love yeah, him. And Limo's looking ahead to the rebuild. He's already looking yeah. at Father. <laughs> yeah. I know. Father, son's coming through I've just to a, help this rebuild. I've got a feeling those Burgoyne kids might go all right. Do they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I reckon. Yeah. Question without notice for you guys. When you go to a sporting event as fans, not in a working capacity, how do you dress? Do you ever dress like the athletes? Because <laughs> I've been watching the Masters this week, and there's so many people in the crowd wearing Callaway or Titleist <laughs> or TaylorMade in the crowd. And yeah. it's a bit, the tennis is a bit the same. Some people dress a bit like tennis players at the tennis. People yeah. wear footy jumpers. Do you know the, what? To the footy. My girlfriends and I have discussed this. Is it a yeah. red flag if you met a guy oh, yeah, and you were right. dating yeah. and then you decide to go to a footy game and, he and he's, he's got the Guernsey and yes. like face paint? That's a, <laughs> oh, okay. that's a red flag. <laughs> face paint is, yeah, that's a red flag. Yeah. I actually think footy Guernsey, like, unless you're 10, <laughs> I, I think really? it's a bit of a red flag. So you think a jumper on an adult is a step too yes. far? Yes. I'm a little bit with you, yeah, Kat. I didn't okay. want to be... Just, just go a scarf. But just I, something but, subtle. But I'm yes. careful saying that because I can see Lemo wearing a... You don't wear your Hawks footy jumper, <laughs> yeah. do you? No, I don't. Not to games, no, though. I don't. Not to you're wearing I'm wearing a Hawks t-shirt and a Hawks hat. Yeah, it's a big weekend. <laughs> it's a big weekend. You know, because there are some sports where you never see it, where they never dress like swimming. That's Does true. Everyone ever in your budgie smugglers? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Boxing, you never see them dressing like no. test cricket. People don't mm. dress in their whites while they are there. But the biggest one is cycling. That's where the fans ride bikes. Yeah, true. To the event. They actually look. And stand on the course. They stand on the course. They're almost like they're waiting to be subbed in yeah. uh, to the event. Take up all the space so you can't move. <laughs> and then they go and drink all the coffee so you have to wait 20 minutes for a coffee order. <laughs> yes, I know them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're, they're cyclists, they're, they have delusions, don't they? In fact, sometimes you look at them and go, are you right? And then you see the pot belly and go, oh, no, you're one. You're <laughs> a weekender. I, I still can't believe sometimes when you're watching the Tour de France and how much they get in the way of the cyclists. Oh, that inf- yeah. You know, it's like it's move, ridiculous. stay on the edges. Mm. That infuriates me for some it reason. Does, I mean, you yeah. should love it because it's part of the spirit of it. But I'm like, get out of the way, mate. Yeah, no, I get claustrophobic. So when I watch that, I'm like, oh, my God, get out of his space. Do you get oddly ride. proud, though, when you see a footy Guernsey running up in the – whenever I see a Hawthorne Guernsey oh, running next to a cyclist, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, good on you, mate. <laughs> yeah. Go the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. It is bogan. Yeah. yeah oh, dear. Yeah. No, um, I, think, but- I think you just got to go the subtle – piece of memorabilia. All the right. scarf, the hat. The you know, yeah, show your support, absolutely. Yeah. The official word from Kath, if you're over 11, <laughs> leave your jumper at home. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Yeah, great, mate. Greg Rust from the Rusty's Garage podcast. Morning to you, Rusty. What about last weekend? I mean, this time last week we were at Albert Park. 444,000 people over the four days of the event, but some lunatics spoiled it for everyone else with that track invasion at the end, am I right? This was just stupidity 
of the highest order. Madness. So, so dangerous with cars still on the track. They approach one of the cars that was sort of stricken on the side of the road. And because they regenerate um, so much energy now, the electricity in them can be so dangerous if it's not discharged properly. So... I'm told they're going to try and use facial recognition technology, at least that's what I believe, to identify those that were the early perpetrators that kind of started the wave. So if that's you and you're listening to this, you're in a world of trouble. They're going to be big fines for that if they can track you down. In other codes, as you guys know, there are life bans for this sort of thing that, that regularly happen. And I reckon that's the kind of message we need to be sending because the bulk of the people at the end wanted and were doing the right thing, and they want to be able to enjoy that celebration around the podium. Imagine if, in the wake of the inquiry into this, that sort of thing gets banned. So, understandably, the international governing body has asked for a serious please explain. Hey, Rusty, it was a podium of world champions up there, but was the, all the restarts making the race just a little bit of a farce? I think farce is probably a step too far. Some have likened it to that, I know, in the in the press. Um, the intent is good to try and um, restart it and get proper racing to determine the outcome. I think they clearly overplayed that card and finishing it under a safety car is... Um, ultimately, as Max Verstappen said in, in looking back on it all, he said it was all a bit of a, a mess by the governing body. So they've got work to do in trying to iron that out and to make it clearer um, for fans. But the idea of, of trying to um, restart things, in essence, is good, but they just probably overdid it. Yeah, fast feels like a bit much, uh, Joey. Sorry about that, Rusty. Now, hard to watch Daniel Ricciardo looking like a spare on the pit wall not racing. Was it really? Joey reckons it was a Bradby moment, but for Oscar Piastri getting his first points in F1, was it? Probably is a bit hard to watch, um, to your first part of your question, to watch Dan on the pit wall. But uh, when the TV cut to him, the roar from the crowd was enormous. You could, We could hear it quite a distance away. So he is still a hugely popular figure. And, and the questions around this about being perched there and does it feel awkward and so on, he's given the strongest indication yet that he wants to be back behind the wheel in 2024. Um, we don't know where that will be yet, but he's clearly far from done it. And I reckon that's a good thing. He's still got something to offer uh, Formula One um, beyond just being a, a popular figure. No, it wasn't a Bradbury moment for Oscar Piastri. You can argue that all, all you want. Um, the, what's different is he showed immense composure, as a colleague of mine reflected on the, the podcast this week, throughout the restarts, the early part of the race and so on. He made great choices. When there was drama unfolding in front of him, yes, he was there at the end, um, but it's but it's... Three long days there, and for him to be able to get his first points in the sport at home, I reckon is an immense launch pad for for Oscar Piastri's F1 career. Rusty, appreciate your time as always. We'll chat next week. Thanks, guys. Happy Easter to you and your family too. Cheers. Rusty's Motorsport Update. Bendix Brakes. Put your foot down with confidence. Big second hour coming up next. We are going live to Augusta National. Paul Gow, the Fox Sports commentator, is going to join us next. This is Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Joey J, Kath and Lemo. Across Melbourne, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey J, Kath Lemo. On Melbourne's 105.1, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. That's not what you want to hear, isn't it? In the news, coldest Easter Sunday in 80 years mm. it's going to be tomorrow. Oh, I love the cold weather. 
So really? do I. Yeah, it oh, excites we've me. We've had this conversation before, haven't we? I think yeah. you're missing. It was the it was the week where you went and took it cashy rather than coming yeah. in and with us. <laughs> yes. And uh, Joey was on his own in saying that winter's better than summer. Oh it's yeah, no, I'm an I'm atrocious with you. argument. Hundred percent. Thank you, Lima. The colder, the better yes. for me. Yes, beautiful. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. <laughs> the, um, the big question though this weekend: How much do Hawthorne win by on Monday? What's the margin going to be? Well, why you got it there? Picking on the bottom team, Hawks, are they? I mean, a bit of bullying there. <laughs> um, uh, any Easter traditions for you guys tomorrow morning? I mean, you still do the Easter bunny. Uh, well, the, the bunny will come around overnight, presumably. Yeah. yeah. The young, fo- young fellow. still. Oh, I should. Yeah. Yes, the Easter yeah. bunny still visits him, Kath. Yeah. Yes. yes, Kath. The Easter bunny does come. Yeah. Uh, no, well, I get excited. We do the good. Yeah, he does. He's, he's very excited. He's got friends staying over tonight. And um, our tradition is the, the Good Friday. The Good Friday seafood is our tradition. So oh, yeah, no. Nice. Did that yesterday. Yeah. Very nearly hit the dump button there. Yeah, very good. I just, yeah, I'm um, just scared to talk right oh, now. So oh, one of you oh, say something. Cat's going to ruin everything. <laughs> oh, anyway, happy Easter to everyone. MCG Monday. That's my tradition. There we go. Who's been watching the Masters? Leroy certainly has. He's back <laughs> three hours sleep. I got up early this morning to watch a little bit, but play was suspended, but we'll ask Paul. I know that. what on earth was going on. Let's head to our man who's been good enough to join us. He's on the Fox Sports coverage. Paul Gow, good morning to you. Paul, what on earth happened at Augusta National? Trees falling down. It was chaos. Yeah, it was all over the place this morning when Jason Day was out. It was a beautiful day. It was a little uh, beautiful, like 25 25- Degrees, a little bit of cloud here and there, but gorgeous. And then about one o'clock, and these Americans are so good at predicting the uh, the rain and the storms. They had the Doppler radar out, and sure enough, at one o'clock, we they, they had a little bit of a, a storm come through. The players played for a little bit, and they called them off only for about thirty minutes, and then um, then back into play. And then Minwoo Lee and Harrison Crow, the young Sydney side, are on the sixteenth green, and uh, three big trees just come crashing down. So. <sighs> Um, they still could have played, but I think you know they were concerned for the patrons and people out there. So they um, they got out there with their chainsaws and actually just chopped it all up, and they're ready to play tomorrow. So that means play suspended for the day. So those guys that haven't finished their rounds, Paul, they get up obviously really early, finish their second round, and then back to their usual tea times for round three. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. They'll push those two times uh, a little bit later. They'll make the cut. So it's eight o'clock tomorrow morning, which means everybody in position at eight o'clock. So where they were on the golf. Adam Scott's on, uh, I think he's on 11 at the moment, so he'll have to be ready and out there. They'll have cars and buggies and everything, take them all the way out there. And then they've they've got to finish that and then make a cut. But there's not great news ahead because they predicted from about Tuesday this week that we we're get, probably not going to get any way in because of the rain, how much there's this big front coming through that was just going to dump a whole heap of water on the golf course. And so they possibly won't get out tomorrow, which is outrageous. Mm. Uh, Now, Paul, one of my favourite storylines here is Sam Bennett, the amateur, currently (laughs) in third posse. Now, if Sam wins this, the prize money is 2.7 mil for first place. (laughs) He gets not one cent. Where does that money go? It goes to whoever runs second. So if you're the oh, pro oh. that runs second, whoever the pro is. So let's say it's Brooks Kepka runs second. He gets the two point seven mil and and right. Sam gets a night nice, but Sam gets a nice green jacket. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and probably a good lucrative, you know, deal with Nike or someone like that in the future. But he looks good. Like no What's a little bit of it? He's just got no nerves at all. It's like, I'm just going to play with the best players in the world and take them on and 
shooting, you know, sitting there with eight under. He's got John Ram and players like that, Morikara around him, Brooks Kepka. He doesn't give a damn. He's just he's just playing, you know, the best he can. Yeah, I'd still like two point seven million in my back pocket. That's how I Paul. Hey, we're chatting to Paul Gow. Tell us what happened to Jason Day, because I looked at one stage, I woke up, he was nine under and he was sitting second, right in contention. Then the last four holes he lost four shots. Yeah, it's incredible actually. He had a putt on fourteen to go uh, 10 under, so only a couple off Brooks. And, you know, he missed that. That was only from about three or four feet, which is normally that's the best part of his game. Uh, he drove one left on 15. That's the par five that's got the trees on the left, the big pines, and it goes to that upside-down saucer green on 15 with the water front. And, and it left, so he pitched it out only 80 metres to the pin, but a difficult pitch on a downslope across water. And he tried to lift it in the air and backed underneath it and hit it fat. He made every 20 handicapper feel really good. So he fatted it right in the middle of the water and, and made a double bogey. But he wasn't headless. I interviewed him after the game. He actually wasn't all that upset about that. It was the three-punt on 16 and 18. He was absolutely filthy with those that, you know, he still could have been in the tournament. Not that he's thrown himself out of the tournament There's still 36 holes of golf for him. Um, he's missed all the rain. He's been back playing with all the kids uh, on the afternoon because he, he missed all that rain. But, it, you know, what? it's a good comeback story for Jace. He was in all sorts and yep. changed his swing, got a new coach, and he's back in contention and playing majors. So, as you said, 36 holes to play for most. Who's your pick from here? Obviously, Brooks Kepka 12 under for those who are just uh, waking up and catching up. He's got a three-shot lead. Who's your pick from here, Paul? Oh, well, you can't get past Brooks. It looks like it's two heavyweights to go at it. You know, one live player in uh, Brooks and um, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder and then John Ram, who's got the other chip on the other shoulder. So these two will um, will go at it, I think. Yeah, we've still got Adam Scott out there who's even par for the day, four under, tied 10th. So don't count out the Aussies. Uh, the shot of the tournament so far is Cam Smith, who hit it a three-wood out of a fairway bunker on eight and hit it to about eight feet and eagle it. So he's got himself to back the two. So don't discount those guys. If they get out, if they get the conditions that are perfect, uh, you know, they could sh- you know, shoot five or six hundred and get themselves in there. So it's a long, long way to go. But Brooks Kepko looks really, really good. Hey, Paul, appreciate your time. Enjoy uh, the remainder of the Masters. We're very jealous of you, but we do appreciate uh, you joining us on Dead Set Legends. Thanks, guys. Anytime. So we go. Heard Break from oh, great sports. You've got to get in there one day. <laughs> Fox sports. Not bad. I is think it? you need to put that in your contract. Yeah, and Tiger Woods is just on the fringe of making the cut. He's got to play, I think, seven holes to finish off his second round. Hopefully, Tiger yeah. Woods can make his twenty-third consecutive Masters Cup. Imagine winning and not getting the uh, money. Oh, that day. would hurt. That would hurt. Two point seven. People say, "Yeah, but you're still a Masters champion." It's like, yeah, but it's got about two point seven mil in the bank. Put the green jacket on eBay. See what you get for it. <laughs> Hey, team, a reminder, the only place to see every round live of all four golf majors is Fox Sports, the home of golf, available on Foxtel and KO Sports. Hey, Limo, uh, top five. Yeah. You seem to have taken this oh under God. your wing. <laughs> I, want, I want us all to have a crack at the top five. I want it to be a group arrangement here. Uh, but no, I, have, I think this is your baby Yeah, you don't like it too, Limo. Yeah. You do it better. I've yeah. jumped on it again this week. I don't want to, you know, it's not mine, it's ours. Okay. okay. Uh, all right. So what is it this week? What are we doing? On Triple M's Dead Set Legends, it's Limo's top five. Greatest chokes in Aussie sport. <laughs> 
Well, it is the Masters weekend. <laughs> Gee, Jason Day had a little choke he overnight, did, didn't he? He did indeed. Paul Gow just told us, dropped four shots in four holes. He was sitting nice and pretty. And I'm tipping when you say that that Greg Norman's probably going to feature <laughs> somewhere. That's just my guess, Limo. Yeah, I haven't disguised that very well, have I? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> hey, a special mention before I get to the top five. Uh, she didn't make it into the top five, but lay down Sally, Athens Olympics oh, 2004. Good God, one. Good wasn't there yeah. a ball out Gee. for that? And actually, while I think of it, the 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 walk at the Sydney Olympics yes. was um, she was about to enter the stadium. So Jane Saville? Jane Saville. Oh, that was that was a very sad moment, that mm, one. That was Red, red flag that she yeah. was making her way into the stadium. Mm. Um and it's not Australia, but I have to mention England soccer penalties. God, it makes me laugh every time. They just cannot take a penalty. So, is this a top eight or a top Yeah, five? sorry. Okay, here we go. Good point. Go. Coming in at number five, Essendon in 1999. Uh, finished the season, top of the ladder, pumped Sydney in a qualifying final, and then they played Carlton in that famous prelim. And they and Kuda, Anthony Kudafidis, get a load of this, Got a hundred because they've gone back and had a look at it and done the maths. He got 127 super coach points in the last <laughs> <One> quarter. quarter. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not a bad quarter of football. <laughs> uh, so Essendon coming to number five. Uh, number four, the Melbourne Stars in 2019. Can oh, you remember yeah, this one, this is, Kath? Yep. You'd remember this yeah, one. I do remember this one. None for 93 against the Renegades, and then they lost seven for 19. I think I was <laughs> interviewing Marcus Stoinis on the boundary, yeah. and he said something along the lines of, you know, like, we're in a good position here, yeah. <laughs> and then and then chaos, <laughs> and then absolute collapse. That happened. Massive choke there. Uh, Kate Campbell, the uh, Rio Olympics 100-metre final, unbackable favourite, oh, yeah. and she finished fifth. And she herself, in a post-race interview, said, you've just witnessed one of the great chokes of all time. Oh, that's sad. So it's she's- so sad for the Olympics uh, swimmers and, and athletes, isn't it? Trained four years for this event and then it doesn't go to plan. Oh, yeah. But always, but it's not four years either. It's like since they were ten, yeah, the parents true. have been getting no. up and dragging them off to a pool. Uh, coming in at number two, well, people remember the nineteen seventy grand final for the record crowd, one hundred twenty-one thousand. The unbelievable commentary. Mackay to the wing position on the member stand side. Oh, just a link Oh, but Collingwood were up by 44 points at halftime, Joey. Is it that much? 44 points. Oh. And they let it slip and Carlton won the mm. 1970 grand final. Uh, but coming in at number one, top five chokes, Greg Norman. <laughs> I mean, the Masters in 1996. And let's have a listen to the commentary. This is the whole where it was it, he was done. You might remember the famous vision of the shark falling over and kind of rolling on the green. And the commentators get a bit emotional and you can sort of sense the frustration with one of the commentators here. You've let down an entire nation. How could you throw this away to a bloody palm? You loser! <laughs> I, I think that was his one and only gig at the Masters, that commentator, wasn't it? <laughs> Might have got sacked after that one. Uh, but it remains the greatest choke of all time in Australian sport. Greg Norman at the Masters. Well, hello yeah. to Greg. He's a big fan of our show. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, thank thanks you, Greg. For in. Bad luck. Hope you feel good about yourself this Saturday morning. <laughs> Um, Jay-Z is going to come back and join us next team because he's got the latest footy news, including that we're still talking about that descent. Yeah, court. I know. I know. And he's, he's got some sort of update on it. He'll so clear it up for us. <laughs> <Watch this face. laughs> Triple M's Dead Set Legends, Joey J, Kath and Levo. 
Across Melbourne, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Joey, Jay, Kath, Limo. On Melbourne's 105.1, this is Triple M's Dead Set Legends. Welcome back, Jay-Z. Great to be here. Hey, I've been meaning to ask you about Descent. This is obviously a huge talking point. I really loved hearing uh, Razor Ray talk about it from an umpire's point of view, but where does everything sit now? Clubs have been pretty confused and have sought clarification from the AFL about, well, if, you know, Stephen Keneally in that moment says, what was that free kick for, right? Which is a pretty straight sort of question. So what the clubs are wanting to clarify is, if that's not acceptable, then what is? If you've got a genuine question about a free kick, how, how, do, you, how do you raise that with the umpire, especially someone, a you know, former captain, someone who's Expected as Stephen Cornelio, and the feedback back to the clubs is: you can still clarify these questions, you can still ask the questions about free kicks, but you've got to do so in a in a uh, respectful manner that's no demonstrative. So, no hands out to the side. No, um, hang on. So, we're saying what? that Stephen Cornelio act was was in, was not allowed. That is dissent, or we are saying that he, that was okay because. Well, yeah, the, I thought we decided you know, that the umpire got it wrong in, and that yes. it was okay. Yeah, but but going forward, so this is but this is the point, right? So the clubs are like, well, what what is yeah. acceptable or not? Where is the line? And how do you know what mood the umpire is in? So you're allowed a genuine inquiry. You can inquire. Okay, where does sarcasm come into it? <laughs> what if you yeah. have? You'd be in oh, trouble. I said that was for pushing the back. Was it? So is that is that dissent? You would need to keep your zip, uh, your lip zip. <laughs> right. I think it's fair to say. But so you know, arms by your side. Try not to put yourself in the position if you need to go through. Your captain do so, but um, you've got to be as polite as you possibly can. So oh, maybe a cup of chamomile tea, a little picnic mud. rug, and has uh, this something just like all that. been handled a little poorly? Yeah. Well, like think... if if they came out, the AFL umpire said, "Look, we want to back our umpires." In. Yeah, that call was probably Wrong. in that grey area yeah. where it, it's pretty simple. We would want that to if you disrespect the umpire if you mock them, if you try and make them look bad. Yeah. That's a free kick. Yeah. If but it's otherwise, if it's just emotional, asking about a holding the ball decision or whatever, mm. umpires understand this. And you can maybe say to a player, hey, tone it down. Don't you? But yes. Let, There's let, too, let, too let much is left to interpretation, though. And every umpire is going to hear every query in a different way. Yep. Aren't they? So what's dissent to one umpire may not be dissent. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's what we saw at the weekend. Yeah. And at the end of the day, though, you have to back the umpire in, don't you, from an AFL Oh, God, do you? So and, you, you're not going to say, yeah. And broadly, from broadly, the dissent rule has been a good thing because there is a yes. genuine problem at grassroots yes. level. But um, yeah. anyway, this is a little reminder for everyone just to keep your hands both sides. Stand up nice and straight and tall when you're asking questions <laughs> yes, of the umpires. Dad. Uh, what about the fallout from last night, Jay-Z, yes. the Super Clash at Marvel Stadium? Great yes. result, by the way. It was such a yep. good atmosphere. And, uh, yep. gee, they did that well. Yep. But from a player point of view, yep. Ben Cunnington. I reckon lock in these two clubs. This is the Good Friday combination yep. going forward. I think we can stop having that debate. It is going to be North Melbourne versus Carlton. Well done to both clubs and their fan bases. It was a super atmosphere with 49,000. Sam Walsh, the good news. Gather round's all going to – is it Gill Round or Gather Round? I'm going to go with Gill Round because Gil's it's still oh. going to stay for a long time. Hey? Gill's still here. <laughs> For a long time. I thought he was meant to go, Joey. This well, was it. I think they thought they had a lot of things covered off by Gather Round. Okay. This is the longest farewell. It? Yeah. This is like a John Farnham farewell mm. tour. Oh, yeah. that so is Sam Walsh going to play next He's week? He's definitely going to play. So uh, the Blues take on uh, the Crows on Thursday night, and Sam Walsh will be out there. Are you sure? Because I was listening to this Michael Voss <laughs> no. press conference oh, uh, no. yesterday, Don't and you might have had a bit of a different take. Can I please play this grab, Leroy? Is there any consideration of playing Walsh in the VFL or is that ridiculous as a, as a run? <laughs> Jay, 
I think we'll fit him in. question is that? That's a great Wayne Carey said. You don't put a Ferrari to plough a field. I was just, I got a text from Walshie last night. He said, Clarky, thanks for that. It's taking the anxiety out of it. I appreciate it. I got a text from Walshie. Look at you all, mate. You made with the players. Don't mind. I was having dinner with Vossi and I got a text from Walshie. Hey, did I hear the did I hear the press pack laughing they along? Did. They're they're Vossi, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I asked you. That's very grim. Yeah. Ben Cunnington, yes. can you please explain? Yeah, it was interesting last night. So one of the most beloved figures in the league, Ben Cunnington, you could see he was really disappointed when he got subbed out. Alistair Clarkson spoke to him on the bench. He only had 10 possessions, uh, zero clearances at that time as Carlton really was taking control of this match. So this would have been tough for Ben, subbed out of the game. You can see it was really hard for him. But what I love about this, Joey, is this is Alistair Clarkson and this is North Melbourne setting a new standard. This is a club on the up for me. And he's saying, mm. if you're not if you're not doing your job, fella, then you can come sit with me. Yeah, love it. Absolutely nothing personal. It was nothing against Ben Cunnington, but it's just about the standards and players playing their role. He wasn't living up to it. Doesn't matter whether you're the youngest player on the list, yep. the oldest, the best or the worst. We're just going to set the same standards. I thought it was great for the footy club and Ben Cunnington will bounce back. He's a star, but for the game yesterday, they needed someone else. There we go. Will North Melbourne play finals this year? Come on, make a big call. Anyone? No. They'll be close. They'll be close. Not this year, though. Next year. Yeah. Next year. They just need the bookends. They need to get some that extra Mm. key defender. I remember the season preview, David King said on our Fox footy show that uh, North will win eight games. Yeah. And everyone at the time was like, Mm. Well, hey, they're looking on track yeah. to, to jo- win about Joey that. Joey could have played fullback for him last, uh, last night. That's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, they needed, they needed some more. Okay, let's stick with the current players, please. <laughs> Richmond v the Western Bulldogs uh, this afternoon. Massive game at the MCG. And there was massive news out of yeah. the Tigers when they said Dustin Mutton, yeah. Jack Rewald yes. being rested. so be really interesting. So what is your read on this? Is this Richmond managing their players in a sort of Geelong sort of medical fashion, you know, get them right for September? Or is this looking at the list, Joey, and saying, hang on, we've got seven 30-year-olds in our team here. We really need to transition our young players and give them that experience, and we need to look at life without Trent Cotchin and Jack Rewald. Yeah, I think you've summed it up pretty well. It feels like it's a combination of all that. Yep. You're transitioning your list while you've still got the veterans on it. Yep. They don't need to play every game. Mm-hmm. So while they don't play, you get to look at Samson Ryan and yep. maybe you know a, a Hugo Ralph Smith or yep. a Judson Clark that might not have got a game if Cotchin was in the side. Uh, I don't mind it. I think it's yep. it's a good way to go about it. You yep. still get exposure to the young kids, but you've got your senior players there. And then at the end of the year, yep. you pick your best 22 when you, the whips are cracking. What's on the rest of the day for you, Jay-Z? You've got the early mark now. You going, can go. You're free. Going for a run. I'm in my running gear, so I'm about to go for a run with a mate. If you see me, if you're on the Capitol Trail this morning, uh, give us, give us a wave. some of those chocolates you've eaten already. How many, how many Ks? Tenish. And what pace <laughs> yeah. would you average? Uh, under five minute Ks, we try and track at. So hopefully oh. the rain stays away. Uh, nice. Yeah, but I did destroy a lint bunny like 11 o'clock last night. Do you know what so I saw I in the newspaper the other day? They had chocolates, like yes. a lint bunny or two caramello yeah. eggs, and saying what you need to do to burn it off. Oh, God, don't read like, that. Don't do that. That's a poor article. Yes. That's bad journalism. Yeah. What Just it, let people enjoy their chocolate. What did it, while we're at it, what did it say for a lint bunny? Oh, yeah, Is 10 Ks enough? I think a lint bunny was two spin glasses, so oh, off you go. Yes, all right. Thank you, team. How good's Easter footy? You can just sit back on the couch, have a few little chockies. Question, do you reckon we should get to the stage now that we play Good Friday footy, we have a double header on yes. Good Friday? Yes, yeah. because I was watching... Four o'clock game yeah. into the seven yeah. o'clock game. I, How good yeah. would that be? There's nothing watching, else on. Yeah, I was because... watching the rugby league last night because there was no... <laughs> oh, hey, Gil, yeah. you're listening to that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but, and you know what? Tonight... Two games starting at 7.30. That's right. Yeah. That's why this could be the perfect week to spread out the footy. Mm. Thursday night footy, a couple of games on Good Friday. 
couple on Saturday, you know Sunday, what? Monday. We should run the AFL. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> really? Yeah. What's What's the main change? You'd oh, make I'd keep day the food. One. I'd keep the food cheaper. Some of the pricing now. Keep have, the food cheaper. Yeah. That's and the first thought that's yeah. come to mind. Yeah. I've got a list, <laughs> AFL changes. You do too. Oh, do you? What's your first? Pick Give me one. Hang on, pick out your favourite li- uh, AFL change you would make if you were running the AFL for a day. Countdown clock only starts when the ball's touched. Countdown. Oh, doesn't, in... doesn't tick when it's in the air when they throw it up. Well, they should just not stop, oh, yeah. scrap the bounce. They should scrap the bounce. That's yeah. what I'd get rid yeah. of. But I like the, I'm a countdown. You know, I'm a countdown clock fan at as, the well. Why as well. Does everybody else know how long to go in the quarter except the players that are playing the game. I think that's ridiculous. Oh, so you want a countdown clock for the, at the ground? At the ground. Yeah. But everyone else knows. Everyone watching on TV, yeah, anyone yeah, at the yeah. ground knows by they can look on the app and see how long there is to go. The players are actually the ones playing, and even the coaches all know. But they hold up signs now, don't they? Yeah, it says one so minute. Say two minutes, rule, one minute, yeah, but yeah. there's a big difference between knowing there's five seconds to go and ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. Can be the I've difference got a, winning and losing. I've got a nerdy media one. Yes. <laughs> no player or coach can uh, refuse an interview with a host broadcaster. Or get fined. Oh, yep. right. Who pays the bills? How often, how often do you get denied? I have it, but there's been a couple of instances in the past. Joey where... Danaher did it the other, yeah, on he did Thursday the other night. night. Yep. He said Danaher. no. He said no because he got picked on a bit during the week, Joe Danaher. So he refused to speak to the media afterwards. It like, sounded very fatherly. Oh, right. <laughs> hey, speaking of tonight's game, so St Kilda taking on the Gold Coast Suns, and it's still amazing, Joey, to think that the Saints could be 4 and 0 after tonight. Saints are going to be half a game clear on top of the ladder. They're going to be looking down at the rest of the competition <laughs> league like, come Monday. How good will that be? But honestly, they... those, you know, we speak about those preview shows we'll do at the start of the season where all, everyone's saying, you know, it's going to be a bit of a tough year for Saints mm. fans, but Stick it, you know, stick that with the club. Yeah. Look I think you're now. giving away the secrets, Kat. To be honest, we don't really know pre-season. We, just no, make, we, don't. we make it up because once you see them, you go, St Kilda are playing a great brand of footy. They're the best defence in the competition. They've got some, um, they're playing some really fast footy when they win the ball back, led by Hill and Butler and Higgins and their speedy mm. half forwards that can run. And I think they should beat Gold Coast. I'm still not, I know it was a great win against Geelong. We're not sure how well Geelong are going. I, I I just don't know about the Gold Coast Suns. I just still think they're just an average footy team until they can prove me wrong and buy in that they might be a top eight team. I just don't see it. Maybe if they beat St Kilda on their home deck, maybe we start to think Gold Coast are coming. Mm. But as I sit here right now, I think St Kilda should win. Who are you putting the blame on the, the Suns still being an uh, average footy team? There's no real blame on any one individual. I think it's a common eight. Lee most spoke gold, about last week. It's the about, Gold Coast. Mm. Nothing's ever successful on the Gold Coast except schoolies and SeaWorld. <laughs> and that's <laughs> and it. Even SeaWorld. Well, no, SeaWorld no, has issues as well. Okay, yeah. so, so it's just schoolies. schoolies. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other game tonight, this is a really interesting one and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it on Fox Footy. The Swans and Port Adelaide, the, the side story. This week of Warren Treadray's comments mm. around Ken Hinckley. Yeah. He's made a bit of a selection statement, uh, dropping a few players. How do you see this one unfolding yeah. between oh. the Swans and Port at the SCG? I like what Ken Hinckley's doing. I, I like his stance at selection. I like the club st- sticking fat, saying we're not going to discuss Ken Hinckley's contract until later in the year. Let's just let it play out. And I think that's the right way to go. Who knows if they'll play finals or not. Big game tonight. We all expect Sydney to win. But we've expected a lot of teams to win. We expected mm. Collingwood to win the other night. So I, Port Adelaide could pull something out of that. It wouldn't surprise me with what we've seen just across the whole competition so far this year. Sydney were a bit disappointing against Melbourne, but we know they're a good side, particularly back at home. But it will be a good contest to see how Port Adelaide can measure up. Who have you tipped, Lemo? Uh, I tipped Port? Sydney there. Yeah. I was talking to Port mates during the week, and they're just really disillusioned. 
they're hating where Porter at right at the moment. Yeah, and they're so off. They're so off Ken Hinkle. Are they? They're so totally off him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A showdown they, loss. You can't underestimate that. Sh- in off the back of a showdown loss, people just. The, you can't stop the pain of a showdown loss, particularly when um, the Crows are meant to be a bit rubbish yep. and Port are meant to be a bit good. I could only imagine, mm. Kath, what it would be like. Imagine Melbourne if it was only Collingwood and Carlton with oh, the only two teams, you know, you in, in oh, yeah. Melbourne, and you know, then the one beats the other. Like it would be, oh, yep. it'd be horrible. And but, tomorrow we've got a couple of games, Essendon and the Giants at Marvel Stadium, followed by West Coast and Melbourne in Perth. Essendon v Giants, who are you favouring? Yeah, we'll be matchup? doing this one for the Sunday rub on Triple M. Oh, look, I really, I'm enjoying the way Essendon are going about it. Oh, I'm still more bullish on them than a, a lot of other people. I think they've got a lot. A lot of talent there, and as we've seen with teams like North Melbourne and St Kilda, the new coach, they've got a new system and they're playing with effort. And if you do that, it goes a long way, and the talent is a bonus. Shields playing well, um, all the other midfielders, their back line with Ridley and, and Redmond are doing their job. Defending ball movement still an issue, though. It is. It is a little bit. They're working on their new system, and they've come, they're coming from a long way back. They haven't had a strong defensive profile for a while, so that's still a work in progress. But I think they should beat the Giants at home. Yep. All right. Who have you got? The Giants. I'm on the Giants for absolutely no reason whatsoever. <laughs> and West Coast. <laughs> because it's Essendon. Lemo doesn't tip any, yeah. any, any Hawthorne rivalry. He doesn't tip Geelong. They've got a great record at Marvel Stadium. I can't tip Essendon. Um, I did tip Sydney, though. So. Who have you tipped West Coast D's? Uh, I tipped uh, uh, Melbourne. Yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne. Yeah, I've done the D's. Yeah, West Coast. I mean, savage by. Seven, um, seven or eight of their injuries. best teams. Yeah. Yep. Time for Give Me a Spell. Hey, we've got our uh, Dead Set Legend of the Week coming up and Give Me a Smell. <laughs> <laughs> about that. That's a good one. I was like, Leroy well, stuffed up. What are you playing? Well there? done, Leroy. Oh, yeah, I did. Give me a smell, Kath. <laughs> yeah. The Dead Set Legends. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. Give me a spell. I want to just go with this one. <laughs> Liam, I reckon you will like this one. Yeah. I, I don't know if you saw Jimmy Butler, NBA player, plays for the Miami Heat. Yeah. He was so filthy with his team's loss the other last week that uh, – as punishment for them losing, mm. he turned up and played Nickelback in the change rooms for all the players to listen to as punishment. Nickelback. Oh, How do you reckon that makes Nickelback feel? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're that much of a punish. That's that was a punishment to his, to his teammates. He made them sit there and listen to Nickelback after the game. So there you go. I've got a short and sweet one. People yeah. who don't like hot cross buns, what's wrong with you? Uh, Give me a on. spell. Hot cross buns How are delicious. Like, are, are you you're so, one of those weirdos, oh, aren't you? Oh, my. Heat it up with a bit of butter? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Do yeah. your kids like hot cross buns? Oh, yeah, love it. Yes. Yeah. Sultanas yeah, or no sultanas? Both. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take both. Oh, gee, I'll take both. Yeah. yeah. Give me a hot cross bun every day of the week. <laughs> What's your Oh, man, I really want one now. Uh, give me a spell. Gil McLaughlin, front of the parliamentary Ooh. inquiry into gambling in sport this week. <laughs> saw that. Is there too much gambling in the AFL? And I was thinking, I, th- I think there might be because I've really been examining the games. I mean, the influence, it's everywhere. Now, have a listen to the final siren. This is a Thursday night's game. And just have a listen to this. I don't know if you noticed. Had a lot on his mind. Inside 450 signs. <laughs> <laughs> and for the first time in season 2023. I mean, I think it's a step too far for me. I to have that. As, and then, did you hear the umpire's whistles? Have a listen to the whistles. What a player he is. Bobby Hill. Nick Dacos and then and Josh Dacos. If you listen carefully, have a listen. Just listen very carefully in the background here. Listen to the umpire out on the ground Thursday night. What are you liking on the Red Zeds, uh, Eth baby? Yeah, both the Dacos boys performing very well. Nick Dacos leading ball winner, 14 disposals, Josh up to 11, four inside. Nick Dacos. Conan just tripped himself over and now he's limping. <laughs> Get on board. <laughs> <laughs> I 
man, it's amazing, well, isn't it? The umpires talking to each other. Nick Dacos, he's going well. All right. He's short and So, uh, ah, very good. I think there might be a bit of an issue. I very like it. Good. I like it. Your dead set legend. Triple M's dead set legend of the week. Mate, you are a legend. Just a shout-out to uh, all Victorians, our dead set legend of the week. We spoke a lot about the Good Friday game, but, the, of course, the Good Friday, the Royal Children's Hospital Good Friday appeal, as always, uh, just yes. over $16.7 million as of late <coughs> last Amazing. night. That is good mm. money, Limo, yes, going to the indeed. right cause. I know it's tough times financially for a lot of Victorians, so well done to everyone who dipped into their pocket for a very, very good cause. That's our shout-out for this week's Dead Set Legend. Well done. And can I give a shout-out, too, for the legend, uh, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, third fastest woman of all time, Jamaican sprinter. Her son's sports day was on during the week, and they had a parents' race. (laughs) (laughs) True story. And she ran in it. She won the 100 metres by 50 metres. Very good. That's very good. Hey, uh, team, happy Easter. The Saturday rub coming up next on Triple M. It is JB, Billy, Bernie, and Damo. Enjoy your chocolates. Give me a smell. That's it for this week's edition of Triple M's Dead Set Legends. For fast, reliable internet, switch to Aussie Broadband today. AussieBroadband.com.au These legends will be back next week. It's like Adele Santo Montana once <laughs> back in the day. <laughs>